You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. If you were with, if you weren't with us last week, I started a new series. I just realized I had preached like heavy, and I don't do light, so it'll be heavy. But I thought it's time for me to preach a series to love on, fill your tank, encourage you. That's my natural gift anyway. I'm more exhortation uh, gifted, and so when when God put this on my heart in this season of my life, my favorite one of my favorite things to do is uh, trips to buttered uttered. I'm like a kid. I'm like a kid going on a field trip that doesn't have to do school all day. I love Love it. It ain't even the ice cream. I'm not even that crazy about ice cream in general. I like it a little more. It's like chocolate. It's good. It's bad. Depending. Don't know, but I could do without it. But they put butter in this ice cream, man. I don't do the milk base. Don't do, if they tell me it's not a butter base, I don't even try it because you can mooch. You can go in there and just mooch all you want to. But I don't. I find what I want and I go in and I sit down and I savor it. I don't eat it like everything else. I don't throw down. I'm slow. I eat like great grandparents, not just grandparents. And I make Angie mad. Angie and Garrett, I'm calling y'all out. They left me this week. They walked out the door. I had three bites left. I had to throw it away. To, to catch them. And I was mad about it. And I'm still a little salty about it. I love buttered utter. It fills my tank. On a Sunday afternoon, after I felt like I got a win at church, I'm like, I love to just sit there and don't rush me. Get your coffee. Stay as long as you need. I like my buttered utter. So when God put on my heart, write a series. I want you to encourage and fill the tank of all the people that hear this. I had no other choice but to name it butter me up. No other choice. And everything, no other choice, because I'm talking real butter. This ain't butter me up. I know this, the cliche is actually make stuff up. No, this is real encouragement. It's the truth. And if you will take God up on it, it will change your life. Tell somebody, say, Ben's got some butter today. Ben's got some butter today. We're celebrating graduates. We are. We're celebrating graduates. And I just wanted to preach a message today uh, to recharge your faith and honestly reset your approach. Because all of us sometimes, even the best hitters, they get in a slump and, and they don't get out of it till they reset their swing and their approach and how they're approaching the pitcher, the plate, life, whatever. I just want to reset some things. Last week, I preached on, if you missed it, I preached on the things that you need to keep speaking to. You need to stay on the mountain. Don't quit. Keep doing it. Keep moving. Keep coming to the altar. Keep seeking God. Keep making changes until God moves. This week, I want to change directions. I want to talk about the things that you need to leave it alone. Can you say that with me? Say, leave it alone. Leave it alone. alone. Can you say it with authority? Say, leave it alone. It's crazy. Y'all want to know, I'm encouraged about different things these days because I really want to see God do something that is deep in what he does in my life in this church. I did not tell Tim or Connor anything about what I was preaching on. They got up here and read Psalms that are all about the authority that God has that we need to surrender. And everything they just quoted from this stage, straight scripture, are about the things in your life that you are only going to mess it up if you stay on the mountain and don't surrender things that aren't your mountain to stay on. You need to, y'all can do better. Leave it alone. And I don't want to talk about the things you need to keep speaking to and doing and working hard. I want to talk about the things you need to leave alone. You need to leave alone. And I'm not even going to make you stand up today for four or five minutes on a bad Sunday, 10 minutes. 
I actually want you to reinvest that energy into focusing and engaging and listening today because I'm telling you, this butter right here, you'll stay a little bit longer. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to make you, but I'm saying you'll want to. <laughs> um, I just want you to do that. Can you do that? Matter of fact, let's make this declaration together. Say, I'm ready to open God's word and be opened by God's word. So before we jump into it, Tim's right. We micromanage the mess out of God and the mess out of our own lives too. We micromanage God like, like we do everything else in life. We do. He's so right. He's so right. And what happens is you end up messing things up, missing out, making things harder on yourself. You take two step, one step forward, two steps back. Some of you take 10 steps back and end up spending the next 10 years trying to catch up in your life. We constantly, we are natural inclination, mine included, and you see how I work this stage, mine included, is, is that we go harder, we grind more, you even get some momentum in your life and it's easy to try to push it and ride the wave longer than you should. And then when you don't get momentum, you just keep grinding until you about lose your mind and have anxiety disorder. We want to be involved. We want to take charge. Our inclination is to do more, work harder so that I can save more and have something one day. You want control. You want to not just be invested. You want to be involved in the decision. You want to be involved in the outcome. That is our instinct. And there are some things in your life that you were, before I go there, God knows what you need what you don't need, what you don't need now. He knows where you need yeses, where you need noes, where you need not yet. He knows when you need a kick in the butt and where you need a kick in the butt. He knows. My daddy used to always say, I know you better than you know yourself. No, he didn't, but, but heavenly daddy does. And so what we do in life is we really, we come to church and we have faith all day and, and we start making moves in our life and we don't realize, man, there's some moves that we're making that we are making. We need to leave it alone. There's some things in your life that you are forcing, that you are trying to control. And it is the reason that you continue to stay stressed out, strained. It's the reason that you can't get so you can't build momentum or can't sustain momentum. And then, and then you get upset because momentum isn't coming quick enough. And there's some areas in your life that if you don't learn to, you got to do what John the Baptist said. He said, when everybody was playing into his insecurities because he was losing crowds, Jesus was gaining crowds. He said this, and I'm telling you, every one of us, there are some areas that we need to hear this. He said, I need to decrease so that he can increase. And a lot of times we like to apply that to certain things and general things and surface things. But listen to me, I want to fill your tank today because if you'll lay off, if you'll actually take your hands off of it, if you'll actually sit down and quit trying to fix everybody and control it, if you'll actually just let people do what they do, let God does what he needs to do and you do what he says to do, you will actually, things will line up. You need, there's some things you need to not get on the mountain every day. You need to leave it alone. You need to leave it alone. And so throughout the rest of this message, when I point to you, we hadn't done this in a while, so I'm going to have fun with it. When I point to you throughout the message, I want you to say, leave it alone like you mean it. Like I'm talking about like you are actually a lively crowd. You got me? Like you believe it or want to believe it, which means extroverts, you're going to have to carry the weight. Introverts, you're going to actually have to put some in. You got me? Ready? Leave Who knows? I may do some of this, this. I'm a, I mean, I don't know what it's going to look like, but when I go somehow towards you, just say it with me. 
leave it alone because I want you to hit this. I ha- I'm, so Acts, the book of Acts is, is the book of the New Testament church. Jesus died, resurrected. He did what he said. He sent the spirit uh, down on, on all of us. That's why we're here 2,000 years later. Uh, whether we mess up when we mess up and do stupid stuff and hurt people, it's because we ain't living in the spirit, but it's available to us if you want it. And so what happens is the church is exploding. Where we're going to read today in Acts chapter 5, it's actually the chapter that it says they, it was growing so much and people were so hungry for God that it was, they were trying to sit in the streets where Peter's shadow might come across them. This is that same chapter. It's growing like crazy. And the Jews, the ones who killed Jesus that did not like it, that they were growing, uh, they were upset. They were trying to invalidate the movement. They were trying to discredit the disciples and honestly, they were willing to imprison or even kill them, kill them to do so. That hasn't changed, just so you know. People who aren't growing don't like people who are growing. And they don't just say that. They're never gonna say, I respect you. I just can't go with you and I'm sorry. No, they do that same stuff. It may not be physical death, but it's undermining, manipulative. We've all been the people that have done that when we don't want to grow to the level that we know God's calling. Same thing, nothing's changed. You want to read the Bible? How we're going to read the Bible, Catalyst, it is our story, not your enemy's story. It's your story. And so what happened is the Jews hate it that, God, that, that the church is exploding. And so what they do is what we do. They try to talk junk about it. They did whatever they could to kill it. They go and arrest the disciples in Acts chapter five. They arrest them. Uh, they, they put them in jail. And next morning, they're gonna face trial and be tried, possibly even killed. An angel comes and breaks them out of jail in the middle of the night. The council comes and convenes that morning and they go get them out of jail. They're not in jail. You know what they were doing? They were back at the temple where they got arrested because faith is no retreat. We don't retreat if we truly have faith. They didn't run away, just like when Paul was praising God in prison when he got beat, illegally beat, and he's praising God. The jail cell opened up. He didn't run away from the jail. He actually ran to the guard and saved him and his whole family. See, they didn't run away from the situation that got them arrested. They ran right back to the callings and convictions that God put on their heart, and they were not afraid. See, when we live by faith, whatever the next step is, whatever the next decision is, whatever the thing we need to surrender to him and we need to leave alone, leave alone I'm telling you whatever it is faith is no retreat they did not take oh God God gave us this money so we're gonna go blow it they didn't run from God or from the danger they ran to where God called them to be so they go and rearrest them because when you do what's right crap happens it's just what it is because people who aren't growing don't like people who were growing Misery loves company because misery that doesn't have company has to look in the mirror. If there's nobody to focus on, you have to focus on you. So they get rearrested. And when they get rearrested, they bring them before the council and the council says, we told you to stop preaching and we told you to stop telling everybody that we're, that we're the ones that killed Jesus. Peter, you can go read it for yourself because Peter said it respectfully but clearly. 
Because there's some times you got to say it. You can't withhold. You got to say it for what it is. So this is basically what he said. He said, yes, you did kill Jesus. But Jesus loves you, wants to forgive you and fill you with the spirit too. It wasn't shade thrown like we throw. It wasn't, oh, I hate them because we haters. All of us got it in us. They did too. They just had more of the Holy Spirit in them. Peter said, hey, yeah, you did. And Jesus wants to save your life too. And the Bible says they were so infuriated that they decided to kill, kill the disciples. But this man named Gamaliel, it's my entire message today. It's that butter, y'all. This man named Gamaliel, who is not even a believer. He's actually a member of the council. He's not, he opposes the disciples. He does not agree with them. He is not a Christian. But he says what he says that I'm about to read. Save their life and it'll save yours if you'll let it. It'll save your future. It'll save your joy. It'll get you back on track when you need to leave some things alone. It'll give you wisdom to know the difference between your, your, your responsibility and God's role and if you will listen to what Gamaliel who had wisdom even though he didn't have Jesus he had wisdom and we need to have it too Acts chapter 5 this is what Gamaliel says to them so my advice is to what leave it alone leave these men alone let them go If they are planning and doing these things merely on their own will, it will soon be overthrown. God will overthrow it. You won't have to. But if it is, but if it if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. They continue. The others, all the council that wanted to kill him, he had enough influence that they they accepted his advice. They called in the apostles and had them flogged. They still beat them down, but they lived. You got beat down in some seasons. You got beat down by some people. You've been through some... You got beat up, but you're still standing. See, they they survived, but they still got a flogging. They walked away from this thing sore with some blood and scars. When you get to Galatians 6, Paul actually shows his scars. He says, I bear on my body the scars, the marks of the gospel. He's talking about his scars. They didn't go away. They didn't go away unscathed, but they survived. And this was their perspective. This is that butter, y'all. Then they ordered them never, excuse me. Then they ordered them uh, never again to speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. Watch this. It says the apostles, this is their mindset. This is that butter. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Just so you know, if you're going through some stuff, if you're worth being talked about, that means you're a threat. If the coach ain't paying you no attention, That's when you need to worry. Even if they're against you, the coach, and don't like you, they apparently see something we're trying to be down. 
If you have been through years and have a lot to overcome, I'm telling you, the disciples said, it. I know some people that showed up at church that you've been through it because I've heard what you've been through this week. It says the disciples, instead of see it as we're getting attacked and life is tearing me apart and I don't know what to do and I'm projecting, it says that they praise God, that they were seen as a threat enough that what God put inside of them was worthy of the attention that it was getting. Oh, that's some butter right there. And then it says this. It says, and every day in the temple from house to house, they continued to teach and preach. In the temple where they got arrested, they went back. Him jokers went back to the temple. They got arrested twice and would again, by the way. They continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. He's everything. Amen. Everything. He's enough. And when you have that mindset, that Gamaliel mindset that saved their life, you were surrendered. Gamaliel just needed Jesus to connect the dots to the principles he said that day. If whatever you don't like or has hurt you or that you're, that you're responding and reacting to, whatever it is in your life, if it's not God... If it is malicious, if they are trying to mess your kid up, if they are trying to get you fired, if they are trying to assassinate your character and, and undermine your marriage, even if they are, he said, if this is not from God, guys, God will take care of it. The only damage you can do, Gamaliel says, is mess up what God is doing in your life. The only thing you can do getting involved in things that you need to leave alone is mess up the momentum God and the move that God is doing in your life, in your marriage, in your ministry, in your job, in your level, in your season. And if it is God, and because of preference and things that you don't agree with and don't like, if it is God and you fight against it, you're going to find yourself fighting against God. When you look at Paul towards the end of his life, he tells the people that he's on trial and he tells them, he says that God, he, he tells the story of God knocking him off his donkey. And he says this, he says that Jesus told him, he changes the story. Jesus told him, it is useless to fight against my will. Useless. And so what we do in church culture, especially in American churches, we fight against the will of God and call it faith, wrap a good verse around it, put a good tweet and meme behind it, make a graphic and post it on our little graphic apps now. And, and what we're doing is we're fighting against God. And what I want to encourage you today is if you will let God be God, if you will leave some things alone, your life will change. You will be able to experience his love, not just hope for it, not just feel it on Sundays, not just feel it in good seasons. You will bank your life that he is good that his love is enough, you will see it, enjoy it, and never, never sell short of it. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. You want favor? You want favor in your job? You want favor in the classroom? You want favor on the field? You want favor in what you put your hands to and your heart in? You want favor in your marriage and with your kids? You want favor? You want it? Quit trying to get it. Quit trying to get it. 
Quit trying to get noticed and seen and get your kids noticed and seen. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's brown nosing, calling the coach and saying, I'll help out every single day, whatever you need, whatever it is, stop it. Stop trying to get your spouse to see how much you're growing and did you see what I did? Stop trying to get, put your head down, do the right thing for his glory. Because the Bible says that they, that they love the glory that came from men more than the glory that came from God. And if you will begin to trust that God will give you favor in the right moments, the right opportunities, the right jobs, the right teams, the right next steps. That's his job. If you'll begin to leave it alone. Paul said, whatever you do, work for the Lord, not men. Do you hear the motive right there? It didn't say, it didn't, he actually updated what Solomon said in the Old Testament. He didn't say whatever your hands find to do, do with all your might. He said, whatever your hands do, do with all your might for God's glory, not other people. Because the gospel changes things. It actually deepens because God wants us to grow deep and wide. Whatever you do, he says, do for God, not men. And he said, and you will receive an inheritance as a reward from the Lord. That's a promise. That's a promise. That's a promise. It's not your job to fix your husband. It's not your job to take care of everybody at your own expense. That's God's job. And you need to. It's not your job to make them believe you and like you and receive you and hire you, and promote you, and not cut you, and say they appreciate you, and thank you for the husband, wife, mama, daddy, co-worker, president, whatever it is. It's not your job. And if you will learn to leave it alone, it'll change your life. Paul said that, uh, I love Paul. He's so human, but he's so awesome too. Paul said that I am not trying to win the approval of people. That's what he wrote. I'm not trying to win the approval of people. Don't take other people's criticism so personally. Even if it hurts, don't get stuck there. Don't let it drive. Don't let what your parents did to you. Don't let what your kids did to you. Don't let what your enemies did to you. Don't let what happened 10 years ago or 10 minutes ago drive the decisions in your life. Don't take other people's criticism. You don't have to discard it, but don't take it too seriously. Paul took shots from church people. We talk about the people that killed him and the enemies and the Jews. Paul would go plant churches and like any church that's been open long enough, there would be people rise up, not like them and cause trouble. Same here. We're a six-year-old church. People grow in different directions and typically I'm the first one they don't like and then it, or they have somebody in the church they don't like and then they don't like what I got to say about it. It's all happened. So what Paul did is Paul would leave these churches so he would have to write to them because he planted a lot of them, not just one. Took a lot of shots. Paul says this. He says, it is a small thing I be, he says this to the church that's criticizing him. It is a small thing I be judged of you. I don't even judge myself. I don't even take my own flaws or strengths too seriously. 
Because God's grace is bigger than the bad stuff and the good stuff didn't come from me, it's him. It ain't yours. He just lets you steward it and he can take it, he can take it from you as, soon as, as quickly as he gave it to you. Paul said, it's a small thing I'd be judged of you. I don't even judge myself. He said, it is the Lord that judges me. I'm going to try to hold up on the Tupac Shakur quote, but still, you get the point. Paul said, I don't even take, I don't even take my own strengths and weaknesses too seriously. But what we do is people-pleasing in its simplest form. It is not trusting God. And God wants you to truly trust him so that you can experience him on levels that you never even imagined. That is that exceedingly abundantly more than you could ask or imagine. Jesus told the disciples when they reject you, he said, if they don't receive you and reject you, he said, shake the dust off your sandals. In other words, there comes a time they made their choice. You, they're talking about it. You, you quit talking about it. He says, let them talk about it. Move on. Shake the dust. Keep moving. Time will tell. And if you don't leave it alone and you stay there and keep engaging and keep talking about it with everybody that gives you an ear and keep quoting about it on social media and keep stewing over it for 17 minutes a day or for some of you all day, every day, your moments are when you don't think about it for a minute. You got to learn to shake the dust, move on. If you don't, you will stay stuck there. And even if you lived a hundred years, you really won't live. You got to learn the things that you need to. And if you don't, It'll never leave you alone. It'll never leave you alone. And God loves you too much. And his love for you is enough. Leave it alone. Stop trying to get even. I don't even care if you're right. You know, I've learned this in counseling now. I do conflict. I do conflict, especially between marriages. Don't be mad because I have to do it in my own and get other people involved sometimes because I'm, I'm a little extra. And, uh, but I'm gonna tell, I do conflict. What I've learned is at the end of the day, the details don't matter. The fact that you want to be right or even that you are right and want everybody to know it, that's the problem. We want to be right. And even if you are right, the fact that you want to be right so bad is wrong. And you need to surrender your right to be right. That's what you want to trust God. You want to really do what God said. You want to actually not spend your life. My mama used to tell me as a kid, she said, sometimes you can be right or be happy. That's true. You can be right or you can have peace. And if you're walking in the spirit, you can surrender. If everybody around you thinks you're wrong, if everybody literally starts crying and you know, you got to quit talking about it. You got to surrender your right to be right and get even and revenge. Those things, leave them alone if you really trust God. Paul said, never. He told the church in Rome, never pay back evil for evil. Never pay back evil with evil. He says, never take revenge. The Greek word for revenge and the English word for revenge, revenge means the same thing. Never. If you trust God, never. And he says, why? He says, because you need to leave Revenge to the righteous anger of the Lord. Your anger ain't righteous. It's bias. I've been hurt. I'm as human as you. I'm biased. What you think they deserve, if you got what you deserve, Jesus wouldn't even have come if God felt that way about you or them. And he says, if you really, you got some wounds, you got some struggle, you need to quit it. You need to leave it alone. And if you'll leave it alone, you'll see God's glory in your life. 
And if you don't leave it alone, the Bible talks about too, about the poisonous root of bitterness growing up in your life and it will destroy anything good that comes ahead of you because you're looking back. Surrender your right, release that person and here's how you can do it if you trust God. Here's why you can do it, not how. The Bible teaches that God is our advocate. In the Old Testament, God told Israel, he said, I will fight this battle. You just need to stand your ground and hold your position and you will see the Lord fight on your behalf. And they won a battle they were never supposed to win. An army that was way better and bigger because they stood their ground, held their position, and left it alone. Bible says we are more than conquerors through him. Who loved us? Not the money, not the wife, not the business, not everything you did to prove them wrong, not redeeming yourself and making up for all the mess you caused the people who love you because of the mistakes you made, not the anger. No, the Bible says we are, Paul said we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, not anything else. Not making you haters your motivators. Don't say that. That's, that's a, that, is a true, that is a true statement of a person who's asked something to prove who will not leave it alone because you're fighting your own battles. And I'm gonna tell you, it will ruin your life and God loves you too much. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. You want a better marriage? Listen to me. You want a better marriage? You want to see God, God move in your life like never before? In your marriage like never before? I'm preaching to myself right now. In a better marriage? The Bible says, look, stop trying constantly to tell your spouse how wrong they are and where they're wrong. Just stop it. The Bible says love keeps no records of wrong. It also says love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't say nothing about uncovering them. Because uncovering sin and all darkness comes to light, that's God's job. Because God does it to heal us. We do it to humiliate people who hurt us. God said love covers. If you don't leave it, quit arguing on social media about your ex and how bad of a daddy they are. Mama, they are. Quit talking about how your, how your first husband destroyed your entire next seven marriages or wife or whatever. I don't, I, whatever it is, if you will just begin to stop. Let God be God. Release that. Leave it alone. I know that you got no money. You're broke. You're tired. You're mad. You're angry. If you will begin to leave it alone, God will bless your kids, your kids' kids. You will see his glory. They will see you see his glory. Don't care how old, how much damage. You were not too damaged because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. But do you let him love you? And if you do, you leave the things to him, to him. Say it with me. Leave it alone. alone. You want a solid relationship? Stop looking for a solid relationship. Slow down. Stop it. Let God work and let him work on you in the process. Changed my life. This right here. About my early 20s, I completely stopped praying for a wife. Didn't do it ever again because I got Angie and didn't have to. 
I began to just pray, God, you protect me. You grow me, preserve me, make me the man I'm called to be right now. And whoever my wife is, whoever you have for me, Lord, you protect her, preserve her, you grow her, you lead her and guide her. That's all I prayed. I never said, God, bring me a wife. I wanted one. I never prayed for one because God knows what I need, when I need, what I don't need, what I don't need now, what is a good thing that is a distraction in this season. And I need to wait and grow a little bit longer. And if you will... God will bring it in due time and it'll be bigger and better than you ever dreamed of because you left it alone. But son of... Some of us, you want the attention of a male so bad. Some of you, you are craving a father so bad that you're going trying to find girls and trying to prove to them that you're a good man because your father never nurtured you. You never had a dad or you had a, you had a bad dad or a broken dad. I don't know. The thing is, is whatever it is, you need to slow down and let God be that in your life because you're going to continue to have bad relationships or you'll have a really good one and that relationship will be your God, not Jesus. And it would, even if you live 70 years, raise great kids, when you get to the end of your life, you will still have regret. You will feel as insecure as you do today. God wants more for your life. And you got to let him be your father before you can be a father and a husband and be secure in what God gives you. And if you will just, you will see his glory in your life. You will see his glory in your life. You cannot live forward looking backwards. And there's some things in your life, you're like a driver that's driving down the interstate and you're looking in the rear view trying to drive. And what you do is you hit what's in front of you. You hurt what's in front of you. The people, yourself, and you cannot, there is no way until you leave it alone to be able to have the clarity and the wisdom and the encouragement that comes from him of what's ahead of you. When you're constantly looking in the rear view, your insecurities, your anxiety, the bubble's always bursted because you've always been looking in the mirror and it burst in front of you because you're focused back there and God is saying, let me be God. Let me do what I do. You seek me and you lead me to the rest. You take your next steps and I will move. I will close the gaps, not you. Whatever it is, Fear and anxiety ruin your life, insecurity, fatigue. You take on too much, you try too hard as a parent. You feel like you, you follow the culture's definition of what a, a dad or a, or, a, or a mom is. Your kids are your whole world. And if you can't give them the life that you think is the right life, then you're no good. Whatever it is weighing you down, you work too much, you do too much, you talk too much. I don't know what it is. I'm definitely the talk too much guy. And so whatever it is, listen to me. You know how you leave anxiety alone? It doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen quickly. When those feelings, when those feelings and you know when anxiety is hitting, trust me, I have a diagnosis of it. Feel like I came out of the womb with anxiety. People like get hit in 30, having anxiety attacks. I'm like, oh, I thought that was just normal. You have Tourette's and all that stuff. When I grow up, you just learn to deal with it. That's why I don't take medicine for it, even though some days Angel's like, you probably need to go to the doctor. (laughs) Get on my nerves, baby. I love you to death, but you get on my nerves, Ben. (laughs) When that feeling just hits, and it hits deep, and no matter what reality is, 
You feel like everything's falling apart and coming unraveled. Feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you're about to crumble. Whether you're in the cafeteria line at school, whether you're at the job or whether you're in the home and everything is perfectly fine, but you feel completely unsafe. Whatever it is, there's no way to immediately drop that without a supernatural miracle. But here's what you do. And this is the obedience to God. You begin, you got to recognize very quickly, my feelings aren't reality. They're real. They're not reality. And when you do that, you begin to just slow down. When I do this, I'm amazing. Because of Jesus. When I don't, you will very clearly recognize that I don't have Jesus in my mind right now or my mouth. Slow down, sit down, breathe, be still, and let reality catch up with your emotions. But what we do is we over process. That's all we do. We process, project. On everybody, everything, we try to figure out a plan to make it work, to figure it out. You've done that your entire life, and look where it's gotten you. Even if you've won, you're stressed out. You've aged 10 more years than you should have. You got health issues of a 50-year-old, and you're, you're younger than me. If you will just begin to slow down, leave it alone. But what we do is we're constantly trying to make it work and hold it together. You're dads, so dads don't ask for help. They just make it work. They figure out a way, whether they work 17 jobs, they figure out a way to get the bank account back to not overdrawn. Mothers, like your kids, you can't even leave your kids and be a wife for a date with your husband. And if you're a single mom, you need to go out with the girls for a minute. And the fact that you feel guilty about it, I'm telling you, that is not Jesus That is not your child. That is Jesus's child that he let you borrow and steward and, and invest God's love in. And if you don't see it that way, you will not enjoy being a parent and your kid will miss out on what God wants to do in your life and theirs. God loves you. You got to leave it alone. You got to leave it alone. And you got to quit thinking and processing and constantly trying to figure out a plan. You got to, your racing thoughts aren't going to stop racing, but you can sit down and sit your body down until they do. Bible puts it this way. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God don't say, I'm just going to take your anxiety. I'm not saying he doesn't do that. He, he, he parts Red Seas. He just don't do it every day. Matter of fact, I don't think he's done it since he did it thousands of years ago. But your call and your role, sit down. Boy, you say something or do something you can't even say that sets you back even more than what gave you the panic attack. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. The Bible says what a man believeth in his heart, so is he. So is he. And so you believe less so you live less. You don't trust God. You don't see God. You don't see yourself the way God sees you. And so you live less than what God says and created you to be. And if you will begin to leave things alone, if you'll begin to just leave it alone, leave your insecurities for a minute, if you'll just begin to start little by little seeking the presence of God, 
coming to church, I don't know, reading the Bible with your, with your spouse, actually beginning to sit down and see, build a relationship with Jesus just like you do friends and husbands and wives. If you will begin, you will unbelieve the lies that have kept you back in your life and you will begin to, you will surrender. And when you surrender, little by little, you will see him work in your life and you'll never doubt it. You may screw up, but you won't stay there. You'll be like, man, I'm gravitating back because this is what works. And I stopped working it. And I'm going back to God because he works. The word of God works only if you work it. It works only if you work it. And so what happened is you begin to believe life. You are not your addiction. You are not your addiction that you've been over for 10 or 20 years now, but you're still living in the shame and insecurity of what you did to people who loved, who, who loved you. Listen, leave it alone. God loves you. You don't need to be thinking about that anymore. You are not your mom or your daddy or what they did to you or what they did to themselves and what it did to you and what it's doing to you and your relationships and what you want in life. You are not them. You are not you can be a good father. You can be a good man. You not can be, you are. It's time for you to believe it. You are the head and not the tail. You are, the Bible says you are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works. That's who you are. That workmanship also translates poetry or masterpiece. You, not me, all of us, we are his masterpiece. He loves you and you were missing out because you don't believe it. You want to believe it. You come to church and want me to inspire you and encourage you and you want to just get it instantly and God is saying no, I want to change your life. I want to transform your entire perspective. I want to recharge your faith and reset the way you approach life altogether. I want you to go from a, a below 200 batter to Chipper Jones and then some because I got, I got plans for you. I love you. And it's time for you to believe him. It's time for you to believe. Yes, you got to adjust some things and you got to get on that mountain and you got to do some things and take ownership of your life. But there's some things you need to stop doing. You're going to miss out. God does not want you to miss out. Let it go. You are gifted. You are creative. You are ingenuitive. You're a good man. You're a good woman. I told Garrett as soon as he could remember. As soon as his memory started, I knew he could comprehend it. I told him about my daddy who had addiction. I said, Garrett, I want you to know that your granddaddy Bonner, he was a, he was a good man. He was broken and didn't believe what a good man he was. He was a good man. I'm telling you, you got life in your lungs. God wants you to know you are good. And if you will begin to leave it alone and let his love change your life, you will see it. David, who made mistakes that most of us or all of us in this room have never made, we'd be in prison for. He said, I'm, he could walk in the freedom. He said, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will live and not die. That's how much he loves you. Jesus said, it is finished. And your problem and the reason you keep setting yourself back and screwing up is because you are trying to achieve and earn something that's done. You better say that with authority right now. Don't say it about your neighbor, say it about yourself. Leave it alone. Jesus 2,000 years ago said it is finished. And the reason that you have continued to not, to, to not live that is because you really don't believe it. And if you start believing it, you'll leave it alone and it'll happen. 
God will put things in your life that you're ready for because you will be ready for it. You will be able to handle it, not prove it. You will be able to steward it, not be stressed out by it. He loves you. He loves you. Charles Stanley said this. Charles Stanley, uh, who passed away a couple weeks ago. Dr. Charles Stanley, there's things I, I, I don't see theologically with eye to eye with him. It doesn't matter because I'm wrong about some stuff. So is he. He just knows what he's wrong about now because he's already seen Jesus. But the pastor he was, oh, it's the closest thing in my lifetime to the pastor I want to be. I don't care how big Catalyst gets or doesn't get. I want to be that type of pastor. There's so many things he did, a true shepherd. And he was asked this question towards the end of his life many times and people quote it, but it is so much more beautiful because he quoted this after his ministry was so big. He lived this before his ministry got big. He said, what do you want to be remembered by, Dr. Stanley? And he said this always, I want to be remembered as a man who obeyed God and left the consequences to him. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Jesus said, anyone who wants to follow me, tell them to give, or excuse me, give up their own way. He's telling you right now, give up your way. Give up your expectations. Surrender it all. Let him redefine your life. Because if he does it, it will be good. Will you bow your heads with me? Let me take those lights down for a minute. I got some people in here right now that you know that you are not surrendered to God. You love him even. You may love him, but you haven't really given him every part of your life. You haven't given him your anger. What is it that you need to leave alone today? What is it that you need to let go of? Bitterness, anxiety, resentment, shame. It doesn't happen a lot of times overnight supernaturally. Sometimes you got to get up tomorrow morning and do it again. But I'm telling you, what is it you need to surrender? Bitterness. What person do you need to surrender? What people, what season of your life do you need to surrender? What is causing you to not enjoy your kids, to not enjoy your marriage? What is causing you to feel like you're going to become what hurts you? What is it that you need to surrender? You need to leave it alone because there's nothing good that can come of that. And some of you right now, you need to leave. You need to, you need to get, you need to surrender your life. And so right now for anybody that needs to surrender or resurrender, we do have a living in a world we have to recommit. I've had to resurrender in seasons of this church, a lot of them, more than I can even remember at this point. And it's only been six years. Will you just say this prayer in your heart? And can we all say it? No, say it aloud. And let's all say it together for the benefit of everybody. Because honestly, you can't do no damage surrendering to Jesus every single day. The Bible says his mercies are new every day. So why don't you surrender every day? Can we say this together? Say, Jesus, I surrender all of it, any of it. I can't do it. I can't manage it. I need you. Take my life. Make it what you want to make it. Take my emotions, make it what you want to make it. Take my past, make it what you want to make it. Take the people who've hurt me, make it what you want to make it. Take my family, make it what you want to make it. Be Lord of my life. I'm coming home, Daddy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. 
We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at IamCatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at IamCatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.